0: I own did I own a Purdue hard hat? It's hard to say. Do I have a plush hammer in my bedroom at home? It's possible. <laughs> you never know. It, you, you never know what you might find in there. Is there a Gene Cady signed hat? <laughs> Again, it could happen. It could be there. <laughs>
1: How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to yet another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast. Your home for all the latest and greatest in Indiana football news. Uh, it's your IU football columnist, Cameron Drummond, here coming to you from inside beautiful Franklin Hall, inside Podcast Studio Number Eight. It's a bit of a lightened show today. Our uh, one of our reporters, Murphy Wheeler, is out. Taking pictures of Paoli High School Athletics for some of the publications that he works for in southern Indiana that covers high school sports in that region. So I am joined only today by Sean Mintert, but that's that's not necessarily
0: a bad thing. No, it's never a bad thing when I'm around.
1: <laughs> Sean Mintert, always the modest of Yep. The most modest of the I Indiana try to Bumpel stay humble,
0: reporters. but it gets harder and harder every day.
1: Well, I mean, you weren't humble enough to uh, get out of your sick uh, sick deathbed and make it to Memorial Stadium this past weekend.
0: No, I was not. I had a triple-digit fever. It Ooh. got up to 103 at one point. That's, um, that's
1: hot. That's a lot of degrees.
0: Mm-hmm, it is a lot of degrees. For those of you at home, uh, the average body temperature is 98.6 degrees. <laughs> um, so you could just say I'm going above and beyond, but I'd prefer <laughs> to be healthy. So, yeah, uh, we're on the mend. We're not, we're not 100% back yet but we're getting there
1: we're getting there we're a lot better off here uh recording on a wednesday than you were off on a early saturday morning when indiana took on maryland
0: at Memorial yeah Stadium. sat in the iu urgent care center for a good two and a half hours probably finally got in and uh missed about the first quarter of the game didn't didn't really miss them ma- miss a lot. No, but, you didn't. Um, that's the thing. I guess you know, that's that's the way it goes sometimes.
1: If there, from an Indiana perspective at least, if there was a quarter or a part of the game to miss, it would have been that first quarter where Indiana was kind of inept on offense. There wasn't a ton of juice or energy in the stadium was kind of a, a pretty lowly le- low attended game excuse me i think it was one of indiana's lowest attended big 10 games in in recent history
0: it sure looked like it
1: yeah i mean the 20 degree temperatures the uh, snowfall the night before didn't exactly But i remember walking out of the montana state indiana basketball game on that friday night to a snowfall and i was like okay winter's here winter has arrived and then a bit of it stuck around for the football game
0: yeah winter winter came um, Is that a Game of Thrones the joke that I don't get? Boy, it sure was.
1: Goodness. Well, that's that's a shame that I wasn't there to understand that joke. But Indiana was able to beat both the Cold Elements and the Maryland Terrapins last Saturday, a 34-32 victory to bring an end to what's just kind of been an abysmal stretch of games for IU, their first Big, Tomf- Big Ten conference win dating all the way back to that victory in their second conference game of the year against Rutgers. And now, Sean, this kind of sets up a really – interesting finish to the season because Indiana has two games left this week at number four Michigan next week at home the bucket game to Purdue Indiana's five and five they just have to win one game to become bowl eligible
0: yeah um it's a situation that we've seen quite a few times uh, at least during my time here this is the third year in, in a row here really where uh we are both juniors where yeah where Indiana it's coming down the stretch. They need one win for a bowl game. First freshman year, they got it. Sophomore year, they did not. So, and it,
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. Dating all the way back to 2015, 2015 Indiana had to win the bucket game to reach a bowl game, and they did. Purdue was out of contention by then. Same thing in 2016. Mm-hmm. Last year was the first time that both Indiana and Purdue both were in the bucket game with five wins where it was kinda of like a winner take all scenario.
0: Yeah, and yeah, both teams were five and six going into that game and Purdue was the better team in that game and, mm-hmm. and th- the it was that game was not as close as the score nah. uh made it look. I was were were you in attendance at Ross Aid Stadium? I was that I was at Ross Stadium Fine Saturday afternoon I was too a lot was, of lot of train
1: engine happening oh, that day. Oh
0: there's always a lot of train <laughs> engine happening at Purdue. Um,
1: I think I'm one of the few people who don't who doesn't completely despise the Purdue campus either. Like I kind of like the art deco. That was my first time at Purdue. I really like the art deco kind of vibe. Like it was like it was stuck in the 1950s, but like in a good way.
0: Yeah, Did you feel what I'm it's saying? It's not the worst. Like it um, gets a
1: bad rap. I think I think the stadium gets know. a bad it's, rap, and I think the campus gets a bad rap. It's
0: I think the stadium's reputation is deserved. <laughs> um, I've never. I don't know. It's it's cool sometimes. Right. Mainly at night. Um but Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't hate the Purdue campus. It's I feel it's like maybe fine. Living but in West also yeah, living toll. living 10 minutes away from it, you're not as impressed by it as anyone. That's who's right. like seeing it for the first time.
1: For context, so your background, you're from not you're from Lafayette, right? Not West Lafayette. I no, I'm from West oh, Lafayette. Oh, you're from West Lafayette. Mm-hmm. So you're you've grown up most of your childhood around Purdue. Or since like
0: sixth grade. Since sixth grade, so you're well acclimated to the. Oh yeah. The features of. I own. Did I own a Purdue hard hat? It's hard to say. Do I have <laughs> a plush hammer in my bedroom at home? It's possible. <laughs> you never know. It, you you never know what you might find in there. Is there a Gene Katie signed hat? <laughs> Again, it could happen. It could be there. <laughs> There's plenty of Purdue memorabilia in my house. I'll just leave it at that.
1: And we may get a repeat of that scenario this year because Purdue is also 5-5. Five and five. They have a home game, their final home game of the season against Wisconsin this Saturday. And then, of course, they travel to Bloomington for the bucket game in two weeks' time. Uh, before we kind of look at the Indiana versus Michigan matchup this coming weekend, and I think we both have a very similar idea of how that Indiana-Michigan matchup is going to go, as Sean nods his head feverishly in the booth. What is the likelihood that you think that we're going to get a repeat scenario, Indiana-Purdue both 5-6 and six entering the bucket game?
0: I think it's pretty likely. Purdue hasn't beaten um, Wisconsin since 2003. Ooh, um, that's, a, and- that's a bit of a stretch there. And the last time it was a close game was in 2004 when Kyle Orton fumbled in the fourth quarter and Wisconsin proceeded to drive to win the game.
1: Kyle Orton played at Purdue?
0: Oh, yeah. Goodness. Former, oh, yeah. He's like Dallas Cowboys, Chicago he's, Bears. One of, Great. he's one of their five best quarterbacks. He's up there with Bob Greasy and Len Dawson and Drew Brees. No way. Isn't, oh, yeah. I
1: figured Drew Brees was like QB1 forever is. at Purdue. He's, not, he's the best quarterback yeah. to play at Purdue, uh,
0: I guess. I don't know. Bob Greasy was okay. Bob Greasy was good. Len Dawson. Um, Len Dawson was very good. That's a that's a throwback though. Um, oh man, my dad's gonna kill me. I don't remember who the quarterback was. Oh, Mark <laughs> Herman. Mark Herman. I got it. Uh, he's very good. He didn't have much of an NFL career, but he was he was good at Purdue. They've had their fair share of good quarterbacks, but Kyle Orton is is one of their best. So so it's been a minute since
1: they've even been competitive on the field against the Badgers.
0: Yeah, they're. When I lived in West Lafayette, there I've seen some ugly, ugly score lines <laughs> in those games. But and you know, Wisconsin isn't as good as they are, as they have been. Yeah, this but
1: is a, I mean, not the Wisconsin that was ranked in the college football play or the AP pool to start the season. I should say. Mm, yeah, there's
0: no Alex Hornerbrook. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor's yeah. still tearing things up, and I think he'll be the main reason why Wisconsin beats Purdue because right. Purdue gave up almost 300 yards on the ground to Minnesota, Oof. and Minnesota's no Wisconsin when you talk about running the ball so when you mix that elite running back with a still decent uh, Wisconsin offensive line I think Purdue's going to have plenty of problems.
1: Right, and that's kind of the discussion I've been hearing on some other IU football podcasts and just on social media as well. It's just the interesting way that these two teams are trending right now because Purdue obviously started the season with that terrible 0-3 stretch, the home loss to Eastern Michigan, but then they kind of rebounded pretty well until last week where they got absolutely thumped at Minnesota, and now you have some questions swirling around. Is Jeff Brom going to stay with Bobby Petrino now out at Brom's alma mater of Louisville? Meanwhile, Indiana fans have kind of, you know, been on the roller coaster that is IU football typically this season, coming close in a couple big games, getting blown out of Ohio State, losing the game that you maybe should win at Minnesota before rebounding with the two-point home win over Maryland last week. So I guess kind of when you look at it from the perspective of the fan bases, who would you say is would be more happier going into the bucket game with a chance to, um, you know, come out, a victory puts you in a bowl game. A loss puts you at five and seven. All on the table again. That's a tough
0: one because I,
1: because I feel like Purdue's expectations got raised a lot by that Ohio State win.
0: Yeah, they were, but I, I think their their attitude is is a lot different now than what it is like after say the Iowa game, because mm-hmm. um, they just laid a stinker yeah. against Minnesota. They looked terrible. The they that looked game was like forty-one to ten. Forty-one to ten. Um, in the snow in, uh, in the snow. It was very cold uh i guess you know it kind of is easy in that in those conditions to sort of get punched in the mouth early and then just roll over but by minnesota is probably the yeah disappointing that's aspect. that's that's definitely the disappointing part and you know now with all the speculation about brahm and louisville you know there's plenty of people saying oh there's no way he can stay we just got a new football facility and you know we're paying him a lot of money and his buyouts high and
1: But he's still
0: a Louisville guy. He didn't
1: even deny it in the questions. I think it came up in his Monday media conference, and he's like, he didn't say yes or no, but he's like. he's like,
0: we're going to finish the season, but then we'll see what happens. He acknowledged,
1: like, yeah, I hear the noise just like everyone else, which, Mm -hmm. you know, isn't a flat denial.
0: Yeah. I mean, and when you're an alumni of the school and and a Louisville legend, um, I don't think there was ever any doubt that he wasn't going to listen to an offer from Louisville, at the very least. And
1: they're going to, if they can, write him a blank
0: check. Yeah or as close to it as they could possibly come. So there's definitely a lot more a lot less confidence I think in, you know, maybe the football team as a whole and in, you know, sort of the whole the the status I guess of the football program because there's, you know, now the red and white colored elephant in the room. <laughs> so
1: is that Louisville just to That's, that's Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Yeah. It's not IU. <laughs> um. I was trying to think. There's not too many D1 programs with the elephants as a nickname. I never talked about the Ivory Coast soccer team or not, but
0: no, I don't think. I don't think. Um, did he Ivory uh? Coast soccer? I'd say. Did he should Didier Drogba take the Louisville job?
1: I mean, he lost to Luc City in the USL Cup final with he did. Uh, Phoenix Rising. He did. Force him into retirement. Maybe not though. Well, I mean, if you're playing for Phoenix Rising for a couple years, I think.
0: That's basically retirement. I mean, he's part of it It's like a retirement too. home.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people do retire to Arizona. It's a warm, mm-hmm. warm weather climate. So nice you, place. so you think Purdue, in terms of which fan base would be happier going into the Bucky
0: game at five and six, or Indiana? Because
1: I feel like there's just perpetual disappointment in the Indiana. Indiana. I mean,
0: base. I, I kind of think they'd be going in feeling the same way because you know if Purdue. Loses and drops to five and seven, and you know regresses in Jeff Brom's second year. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of concern about what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. You know, if he leaves, does the do guys transfer? Do they lose recruits? Stuff like that. And then with IU, it's kind of the feeling of oh, here we go again. Last game of the season, we need a win. And then you know either. That the team lets the fans down again you know loses the bucket loses fails to chance, reach a bowl yeah. game or you know do you get one over on your in-state rival and and i i just think it's it's completely dependent on the result of the bucket game i i think because i think both teams are going to lose this week basically <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also i think from an IU, i don't think
0: either team's going to be happy to go in at five and six
1: right. and from an iu perspective i think that no matter how this season ends, whether IU loses to both Michigan or Purdue, or you know, they beat both Michigan or Purdue or some combination of the two. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. But some combination of the two, Tom Allen's job is probably secure for next year.
0: Yeah, I'd say reaching a bowl bowl game is that's it's job done. Five you know? and five and seven? He's so got he's gotta recruit I think five and seven is I think he's still there. He's I still think so. Here next I don't year. I don't think I don't think there's any scenario in which on-field related, is, I suppose. Yeah, on-field related in, in which Tom Allen is fired at the end of the season. Yeah, I,
1: th- I mean, you got to give him three years is usually what these guys Yeah, and he's
0: out. recruited very well. He's he's bringing in good football players, right. at least good football players in the eyes of recruiting services and they're good in high school. So, you know, what he does with those players is completely different. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen to some extent, you know, break out – stevie scott we've seen some inconsistency from the young guys on the defensive end um so it's it's really been a mixed bag all around with Mm -hmm. with tom allen you know there's not as much winning as you would have liked to have seen so far but the recruits are there the talent is there and that's important for a program like indiana that is still trying to break through and then you have to be able to recruit well you can't just Rely on taking two-star and three-star guys, and you know it's never a bad thing to get more talent in the door. So he's improved the the recruiting aspect, but the on-field aspect is still lacking, and I, I just think you need more time. In, in that area of things
1: right so let's talk about that on-field aspect from what you're able to see and take a look at the box score from this past weekend's victory against maryland um, myself and murphy were there hopefully follow along with our coverage at idsnews.com i did i followed along that's what i like to hear good company man sean mintert that's right this was a game that Indiana looked lifeless in for the first quarter, sprung to life in the second quarter with 21 unanswered points, and then it slowly started to come apart until they were able to get a final score late in the fourth quarter. Logan Justice's 41-yard field goal stands as the game winner. They were able to actually force a turnover on defense to end the game. I believe it was Niles Sykes who recovered a fumble that was forced by Caton Samuels on Maryland's last-ditch drive. Bit of a weird game from the Terrapins offensively because their starting quarterback, casting how, how do you pronounce that name? Kasim I, Hill. I just butchered that terribly. Goodness. You did. Kasim, Kasim?
0: Kasim, I think.
1: Just say his name for Kasim me. Kasim Hill. So he got went out injured in like the second quarter. Their backup comes in, who was a bit better throwing the ball down the field and seemed a lot more kind of secure in the passing game because Hill was really erratic with his throws in the early part of the game in which he played. So Maryland had to switch quarterbacks in the first half, had a great day on the ground. Uh, Anthony McFarland in particular had, I think, over 200 rushing yards, or very close yeah, he, to it.
0: 29 carries, 210 yards. Yeah, he
1: absolutely ate up IU on defense. Tom Allen mentioned how IU's defensive strategy was to guard against the deep pass and let Maryland get all the rushing yards they wanted because they were afraid of the deep pass, which was um, interesting, to say the least. I'm not sure if I agree with it, but it was something that he said they prioritized. And from his perspective, like it worked, I guess they didn't get burned on any deep routes like we saw at the end of the game against Minnesota that forced IU to lose. But it was still a game which IU labored to victory against an opponent that wasn't very good. And this game kind of could have easily gone the other way as well, if not for maybe IU putting up that defensive stand at the end or getting one or two more plays in the game. So from your perspective, Sean, how did Indiana kind of grade out beating a not very good Maryland team in a very close game at home. Well, I mean they won, so yeah, kudos. So,
0: you know, everyone every it, it all looks better when you're looking at it after after a win. And right. I think we said that a few times during the first few weeks of the season. Um I I thought for the most part other than the rush defense, I mean they racked up 353 rushing yards. Um when you know that's what Maryland's going to do, i i kind of agree i think it was kind of an interesting decision to just sort of punt on the possibility of stopping the run yeah um when maryland's strength was running the ball yeah but you know they i remember them talking about that um in media on monday where um you know i know raheem lane said something about it and someone else did too i don't remember who it is um but they said you know maryland they don't like throwing the ball but when they do they they do go for the deep shots. They've got the fast guys on the outside and, and they said, you know, those those plays are kind of a bonus for them because they know what they're going to get on the ground with all of their great running backs and you know, Ty Johnson was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um he did not have any impact on the game. Um he got hurt in what the first quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Um so even with him out, Anthony McFarlane was still having a good year coming in and he continued that um on Saturday, but you know, they did say they were going to make a point in trying to, you know, prevent those big plays through the air from hurting him because, you know, there there kind of was that attitude of all right, they're going to get theirs on the ground, um, we just can't let them get anything on top of that, and they they did do a good job of that. You know, they weren't Maryland was not that effective in the passing game. You know, they threw for one hundred and eighty nine yards, and Pigram threw a touchdown. You know, he was he was fine. He went ten of thirteen. You know, I guess that's what you are going to get when you focus that much on the ground. But, yeah, I just thought every everything was fine, oddly enough. Fine, question mark? Like, the offense at times, especially in the first quarter and then late, didn't look good. But they scored enough points. Right. So, I mean, I uh, – I kind of have a fi- had a feeling they were that Maryland was going to score on that last drive if I think if there was I, I, no... I had
1: that feeling coming, too, because all they needed was a field goal. Yeah, if there was
0: no turnover, and that was near midfield. Um, so, with, like, what, around a minute left, I Right, think? yeah. yeah. I,
1: mean, they, I don't think they had any timeouts, but, you know, a minute left in college football might as well be a billion years. Yeah,
0: and, you know, all they needed was 20, 30 yards. So you know sure the defense did its job at the end of the day and they got a turnover it's the that it's the two sum defense right it's either, either a turnover or, or points so right. um you know in, in the end playing that game paid off it hasn't a lot this season but it paid off in the end um so
1: what do you make of uh, Peyton Ramsey's performance on offense when we were watching the game me and murphy kind of remarked that it was one of his better performances of the season, maybe even one of his best, just because of his consistency. He Had a really nice thirty-five yard touchdown run where he broke out some kind of slick moves. That I do yeah, anyone. Yeah, that was
0: the first thing I saw had. basically when I turned on the TV to watch the <laughs> game after I got home, and I was like, "Am I am I having like a fever dream right now, or like what what's going on?" Because he was Peyton making Ramsey guys miss, like, four like guy's Tariq Cohen run. or something on that play. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, Sur- i surprised was surprised you
1: went with the Chicago Bear and not a uh, Kansas City Chief there. Well,
0: it's not really Kareem Hunt's game. so
1: We said Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill just gets runs past people. Yeah,
0: Tyreek Hill doesn't need the moves. Um, and also, I couldn't compare Peyton to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> um, but, you know, he successfully threw a couple deep balls for touchdowns. You know, he had the nice throw to Donovan Hale like almost immediately after he ran for a touchdown. Um, and he hit Nick Westbrook in the third quarter for a touchdown. I thought he looked pretty good. You know, he's accounted for three touchdowns. Um you know, he was for the most part did a pretty good job of holding on to the ball. Um had one interception. Yeah, had one interception, but that's about par for the course. He didn't lose the game. Um so yeah, I think I think he was more than enough for Indiana's offense. Uh I would say that was one of his better games. And he's had pretty decent game well he got hurt in the Maryland game last year, but he right. did throw a really good touchdown to Simi Cobbs in the first quarter. I do remember that.
1: Is Simi Cobbs still in the NFL? I was just thinking about this earlier today. Is he still I don't know. I on Washington's practice that. squad? I don't know. He
0: may be. I don't know what like the normal time frame for guys like sticking around on
1: practice squad. He hasn't are. made a Hoosiers in the NFL recap yet really? right, at IDSnews
0: slash sports. It's unfortunate. But yeah, I thought Ramsey looked fine. Stevie Scott had another hundred yard day. So, a
1: quite a very quiet yeah, a hundred quiet hundred yard yards,
0: but you know he got into the end zone and did his job. So, and I'd say I'd say overall the offense was definitely a plus, scoring thirty points, thirty points or more is is usually, you know, you'd like to think like that mark is what you'd need to hit to win a football game in an ideal world, and they did that.
1: And kind of following up from the Minnesota game that went well in terms of. They scored 30-plus points again, mm-hmm. only this time the defense didn't give up the back-breaking score at the end, which, yeah. I mean, we mentioned that, it like, okay, Maryland's probably going to kick a field goal. At least that's the way the game was trending if they didn't force that fumble.
0: But they forced the but fumble. But they forced
1: it. I mean, that's that's marked improvement. They got the stop, whether it was by turnover mm-hmm. or by, you know, however means necessary. Um, <laughs> so let's take that and let's translate it to taking a look at number four, Michigan. Um, The Wolverines are still undefeated, obviously being number four. Oh, excuse me, they're They're not not. undefeated. I I forgot about that game. (laughs) Forgot about that game. They lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, mainly
0: because it doesn't matter. Week
1: one. Mm -hmm. That was a completely different Michigan team that exists now, at least the way they've been playing. Notre Dame is – Andrew Hussey doesn't have to hear this, but Notre Dame is, in my opinion, again, not good in going to – somehow make the college football playoff and get blasted in the first round.
0: they have more quality wins than they did in 2012. Right. When they had no business being in the national championship
1: game. Well, I still don't think they have any business. I mean, what's their quality win now? Michigan?
0: Michigan. um, Like not Stanford. Big Ten championship game participant, Northwestern.
1: Oh, I forgot. We didn't mention that. So the Big Ten West has decided Northwestern's in the title game. Um so just like we all expected at the beginning of the year. Yep. So all those Medill
0: kids out there, mm-hmm. congratulations. Great job, everyone. Um but yeah, either that or going to Blacksburg and beating Virginia Tech. Which lost at Old Dominion. Look. Which lost to Florida International.
1: <laughs> Transitive victory for Indiana there against
0: Virginia Tech. Against Michigan. Against Michigan or no, against Notre Dame. And Michigan also. Wait, no. No, I'm, not, not i I'm against very Notre Dame. Dumb. Just I'm against very Michigan. Stupid. Yeah. So Indiana's Michigan. already
1: beaten Michigan once this season. Can yep. they do it again? Is what we're trying to say. Um, but no, this number four Michigan team is super good. You probably remember them best, at least in recent weeks, from what they did to Penn State at home, which was a. Would they shut out Penn State? Forty-two to seven. Forty-two to seven. So close enough to a shutout, and that was a. Big Tommy
0: Stevens ran for a touchdown. <laughs> that goodness. was Michigan.
1: He was their leading rusher in that game. <laughs> that was a big Saturday night ABC
0: contest. That was a three thirty. No, it wasn't it was a night. It was a three thirty. Was it three thirty? Yeah, because I watched that. I went to the Celtics Pacers game that night in Indy, and yeah. I watched Michigan decimate Penn State at the Eagle in downtown Indianapolis. Plug, plug. No free ads. <laughs> Send us some chicken. We like
1: chicken on this podcast. We We're big chicken guys. We do. Just got just got out of Culver's actually in, in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. I
0: had some chicken at Culver's. You had chicken? Mm-hmm. The How buffalo chicken tenders and good? cheese curds. Yeah, it was good. I mean, the cheese curds are always good. At Culver's. About a fifteen hundred calories, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. It's, it's worth fine. it. I'll, I'll work it off this weekend. <laughs> uh, By work it off, I mean drink a lot of press box sprites.
1: We'll be, I guess this is a good, before we go into Michigan real quick, this is a good plug. We will be in Ann Arbor, um, all three of us, Murphy, myself, and Sean. We will be live from, I I guess it's Eastern Michigan, um, or we'll be there at the big
0: house. Well, we're not at Eastern Michigan. Well, like
1: not, I mean, like, geographically speaking, not the university. We're not at Ypsilanti. We're not in Ypsilanti is what I'm trying to say. Um, So, yeah. Thankfully. Indiana, Michigan, we'll be there in Ann Arbor. It'll be 100,000 people with us. It'll be a lit time. IDS News. 100,000 of
0: my best friends
1: but this Michigan—and we'll all be watching a very good Michigan football team. Just pull up their stats here. 9-1 record, obviously, with that lone loss being to Notre Dame, so they're a perfect 7-0 in conference play. And something that's a really telling stat, they average 37.2 points per game, while opponents only scored 12.9 against them. So they're literally beating teams by an average of 20 points each week. You do the three things to know each week looking at IU's opponent, Sean. You can find that at idsnews.com. Three things about Michigan. What do
0: the people need to know? uh well, just to update that uh margin of victory stat their victories have come by an average of twenty seven point eight points um what
1: well, h- how is that
0: how what if they average 30... physically did the math
1: if they averaged thirty seven point oh okay. yeah that's
0: not how average how how oh, margin of victory works i understand you that have now. to you have to do subtraction and Listen. then add them all up yeah. did you do you remember how to do mean no, in, I haven't taken a math elementary class in like school. three semesters. <laughs> when you add okay, them, you, them all
1: up. You want to hear something kind of sad? I never learned how to do long division. I still do not know how to long divide. I don't know how to do long division. But like, you know how like in fifth grade they taught you how to long divide with like that weird, you know, V looking thing? I just never learned. The
0: v, You mean the division thing where you write the number and then the, the whatever you divide it by? Yeah, I just yeah.
1: never learned. I was just a stubborn kid. Didn't learn it once. How did you just not learn it? Um, I just pretended to do it in class, and I used a calculator.
0: You were allowed to use calculators? No. How did you pass the fifth grade?
1: I did really well on the Texas um, tax test, the Texas Assessment of Knowledge and Skills. Shout wow. out Miss Brown's fifth grade class at Razor Elementary School in Plano, Texas. Hedgecokes Hedge Road, I believe. Wow. Across the street from a Tom Thumb grocery store. I'd
0: like to thank miss titus my fifth grade teacher for teaching me long division (laughs) is
1: that related to mark titus no she's not related to mark titus (laughs) how we went off the rails there okay so michigan good at football continue
0: big margin of victory a lot of blowouts their closest game was when they were down 17 nothing to northwestern uh on the road in evanston they came back and won 20 to 17 um they're, well. The second takeaway is they're dominant on defense. Um, they're giving up. They've they've held under on average. They've held opponents to under thirteen points a game. Uh, they've only given up twenty points on three occasions. Once to Maryland, um, Notre Dame obviously, and then they gave up twenty to SMU in a game that they won by twenty five points. Shout out to my Mustangs on the hilltop,
1: University Your Park, Mustangs. Texas. Your Mustangs. Hmm. Southern Methodist University, Moody Coliseum. Love that Moody magic. Interesting. Interesting. Sonny Dykes. Yep.
0: Yep. Larry so Brown giving people the bag.
1: <laughs> Larry Brown was a fine coach. They should have beat UCLA in that first-round <laughs> tournament game. That yes, goal-tending they should call have. call was ridiculous. Steve Alford's kid, I think Bryce, Bryce. Alford— Jacked up a ridiculous three that counted because it was in the cylinder on whatever SMU big man got the ball. Mm-hmm. I watched that senior year of high school in my high school's library because I took the bus home every day and I was waiting for the bus. I was aggravated when that happened.
0: You took the bus because you didn't know how to drive. Because I didn't have, I knew, ha-
1: actually at that point I did not have my license. <laughs> so correct, I do have my driver's license now. I just want to have one. Congratulations. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So Michigan's defense. <laughs> Um, you know, they're tough against both the run and the pass. They're averaging – opponents are averaging 3.1 yards per carry. That's 13th in the country. Um, and their opponents are completing just 47% of their passes. And when they do complete them, it's for under five yards of completion. So – Oh, and just to throw that in, Michigan is third nationally in scoring defense behind Clemson and Alabama, the two best teams in the country by a wide margin.
1: As the number four ranked team in the country, you'd assume they'd be pretty high up there in that metric.
0: Yeah. So if you didn't catch it by now, Michigan has an elite defense, probably, well, one, probably the the best in the Big Ten. Definitely the best in the Big Ten. Um, the best in the country besides the two teams that are, like, almost professional teams. The teams so, that could beat the Bills. Yeah. Well, couldn't they? The Bills beat the Jets by about a million oh, points right. this week.
1: Well, so who, who could beat the Jets then?
0: I guess. Or who could
1: beat the Raiders better? The
0: Raiders, definitely. Yeah. They could beat
1: the Raiders. There we
0: go. Um,
1: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Great so fun.
0: Michigan's defense is tough. And then the third one, you know, a lot of people want to talk about Michigan's running game and Karan Higdon... And he tore up Indiana warranted. last
1: season at, during the 2017 season. Yeah, he did. In it's Michigan's it's entirely warranted. In He's ran
0: for 1,000 yards already this year. He's averaging over five yards a carry. He has nine touchdowns. He's been phenomenal. Um, but I chose to focus on Shea Patterson because he has been everything Michigan has needed from a quarterback. Former Mississippi quarterback? Former, former Ole Miss quarterback. He transferred in. Um, he was able to play right away. Um, And he's been everything Jim Harbaugh's been missing, pretty much. You know, Wilton Spate didn't exactly
1: work out the way he
0: wanted the it to. Had two
1: last names. How could you have expected him John to John O'Korn
0: out? played entirely too much football.
1: Houston, he, former Houston quarterback John O'Korn. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> Former Houston Cougar John Yeah, O'Korn.
0: you know, this is pretty much exactly what he needed in a quarterback. He... He hasn't been asked to do a whole lot but he has a 67% completion percentage. Would you so, call
1: him a game manager?
0: No, he's too much of a playmaker to be a game manager. He can break big plays with his run with with his legs and then he can also, you know, throw the deep ball to guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's one of besides from being one of the best punt returner or besides from being one of the best receivers in the Big 10, he's also one of the best punt returners in the country. So, when you have a weapon like that, uh, he would be the Tyreek Hill to Shea Patterson's, I, I don't want to say Alex Smith. He's somewhere in between Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I knew we had to get that Chiefs reference in there somehow.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, he's thrown 17 touchdowns, just three interceptions. He hasn't thrown an interception since October 6th, I believe, against Maryland. Yeah. So he hasn't turned it over in over a month and he's thrown seven touchdowns over his last three games so it looks like he's playing some of his best football right now and that's going to make him a real real handful for iu Uh,
1: fun fact michigan's last three games have been a victory at their rival michigan state 21-7 the home blowout of then number 14 penn state 42-7 then last week they went to the tough environment of piscataway by the shores of New Jersey for a 42-7 to home, win, uh, excuse me, road win. So if you're playing along at home, that means in their last three games, Michigan has scored more than 100 points while opponents have scored 21.
0: To be precise, they've scored 105 points. I could have done that math on the fly. I don't know why I chose not to. It took me a little bit. I had to make sure that i Did all the numbers right.
1: Michigan's actually only won one game. So they lost 24-17 to Notre Dame to start the season. That was obviously a one-possession game. But they've only won one football game since then by one possession. So they've only played one football game has been decided by one possession since the opener and that was the 20 to 17 victory at Northwestern back at the end of September. So recent games for Michigan haven't been close. They've been against a decent good slate of teams, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin was ranked when they beat them on a Saturday night in early October. How does Indiana find a foothold in this game? Do they find a foothold in this I game?
0: don't know. Because is there the they, way Michigan's playing right now, if you get down by two possessions, the game's over because the defense is too tough to give up points. And then with the way Indiana's defense is so reliant on turnovers, you're going up against a quarterback who, one, doesn't throw the ball a whole lot. The ball's not in the air a lot. He's thrown it 30 times exactly once this year, and that was in the first game. So they said, well, that's not working. We'll not go back to it. So they stick to the running game. That's a novel
1: offensive concept. Something didn't work. And they changed it.
0: Yeah, I know. Weird, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for, one, I use defense to stop Michigan's offense, especially given how poor they've been against the run this year. Um, and then with a quarterback who doesn't give the ball away, I, I don't know how many opportunities Indiana is going to really have to make a stop. And then offensively, you can't afford to to give away possessions when when Michigan is scoring at will like they've been doing over the past few Couple weeks, but you still have to take risks offensively. Right, like we
1: saw Peyton Ramsey in kind of a similar situation, you know, nothing much to lose in the game at Ohio State that we were at. Throw the ball downfield, target guys like Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale pretty frequently, even against Maryland. We saw Mike DeBoard kind of open up the playbook a bit, let Peyton Ramsey take some shots down the field, even went for it on a fourth and one kind of near midfield a bit early in the game to show that they were, you know, a bit more adventurous on that side of the ball. Is that something that you can translate to this Michigan game? Should they kind of go for broke or is it better to maybe stay a bit more reserved given how tough this Michigan defense is?
0: I mean, I think you've got to try going and pushing the ball downfield through the air at, at least at least somewhat, but man, I mean, I I just don't know I just don't know if the IU offensive line is going to be able to give them enough time because Michigan's pass rush with Josh Uche, who has seven sacks this year, Chase Winovich, who's one of the best all-around defenders in the country. He's got four sacks he this year and 12 tackles for loss. He incredible hair. He really does. The lettuce it's, is wild. It's quite a mane. Um,
1: <laughs> I think he wears a T-shirt after every game, too. It's kind of like the Michigan Revenge Tour or something like that. Wow. We're like I, sp- I think it's especially maybe it's after teams that like beat Michigan last year, but he seems like an electric post game. I'm interview. not a big
0: Michigan guy. I'm gonna come out and say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that. I- I'm always down for a little bit of a revenge tour, but they've got they've got three guys with at least four sacks this year, and you know the IU offensive line has looked better as of late, mm-hmm. but it's still not one of the better units in the Big Ten, so. I, I there's kind of a and, – and that was without bringing up Rashawn Gary, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the country. Um, there's a lot
1: of ways this Michigan defense can get at you.
0: Yeah, and that's what makes them the third best defense in the country. So, man, I just don't – it's just if you get down early, Michigan's just going to step on your throat, and they're not going to let you up. So a good start is is it's so important. That, I mean, you can't afford to get down more than three points early because there's – there's pretty much no way back in the game <laughs> once once you get down by more than a possession.
1: If Indiana fans remember, last time the Hoosiers went to Michigan was the 2016 season. They lost that game. It was a very similar situation to what's facing the Hoosiers in 2018. It was the penultimate game of the season. Indiana went to Michigan and in a snowstorm with Richard Lego at quarterback, the Hoosiers played competitively. Lost twenty to ten, then returned home to Bloomington for the bucket game. IU was five and six. Purdue was like it was one and ten. One and ten. Already out of bowl contention obviously. And it took a late interception from I believe Jonathan Crawford near the, yep, end zone in the end zone to secure Indiana's I believe at the time was the fourth straight bowl victory and to send the Hoosiers to the Foster Farmers Bowl in California with a six and six record. And fast forward two years, literally the exact same scenario, although granted Purdue's situation will be different. So, from an Indiana perspective, Sean, what is a successful game against Michigan? Is it playing them close? Is it doing something, you know, different on the field, showing, you know, at least the ambition to try and go for points? Is it just simply not getting anyone significant hurt, like not getting Peyton Ramsey's arm fallen off or I torn I guess ACL it's playing
0: them close, because despite- The spread despite right
1: now for, co- for context, the spread right now is 27 and a half to the Wolverines.
0: Yeah, I guess it's playing him close. I mean, you can kind of decide for yourself what constitutes a close game. Um, but, I mean, don't get shut out. Don't get completely run over on defense. <laughs> I mean, and Easier if, said if, than if, done, if you obviously. can do both of those things, I mean, you probably might be able to keep it within three possessions or something. I don't know. I mean, some sort of a respectable result. Just don't look like Rutgers. That. There you go. That that is my qualifier. That's what you want to see.
1: Well, I don't know if you saw this, but Rutgers was tied with Michigan seven seven at that. some point because of an insane eighty yard run by someone.
0: Uh, Rutgers running back.
1: Insert name here. It's like NCAA yeah. football fourteen. Rutgers mm-hmm. running back number thirty two. Yep. So, okay, let's let's go into fourth and one then. I think that's a nice segue where I can pepper you with four fun, relatively related questions to the Michigan Wolverines. All right, you ready? Heck, yeah, I am. Will Indiana lead at any point? And if so, give me like the specifics of the situation in which they lead.
0: Yes. Indiana receives the opening kickoff and hits a 40-plus yard field goal.
1: Mm, okay, interesting. Will the crowd attendance be at capacity or over under 5,000 below capacity?
0: I don't think it'll be at capacity. Um, I'm going to say under 5,000. Below capacity. Though. What is capacity? A hundred thousand something. I think it's like a hundred and three something.
1: Muchas personas. Yeah. Lav- I think it will be God. six figures.
0: I'll say that, but I don't think
1: it's capacity. Uh, existen en este estadio. Karan Higdon over under one hundred and twenty five rushing yards. Over. And specific number.
0: Uh, one hundred and seventy five. Who? You you put some scores on that too? Uh, we'll go. We'll go two touchdowns.
1: All right. Uh, Let's say the spread comes a bit back down to earth for our final question. Let's say Michigan starts the game as a 25-point favorite. Does Indiana cover? That's a tough one. 25 points. Because the way I see it, Indiana's defense isn't going to allow a ton. It's going to be more of a matter of can Indiana's offense score 17 as a benchmark.
0: Man, I don't think they can. Really? I'm going to say Michigan covers. Mm. i i think michigan might cover the spread right now i'll throw them an extra point and a half the most
1: points michigan has allowed this season came in that opening loss to notre dame and still it was only 24 24. like that's not an insane amount yeah i
0: think i think indiana has a better shot at covering if you know shea patterson just is off Mm -hmm. and doesn't have a very good game the passing game isn't that isn't that effective um but I think Michigan might be good for at least one special teams touchdown. Mm. So interesting. I mean, when uh, I <laughs>
1: <laughs> so real quick, here's the uh, weather outlook for Saturday's game. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff in Ann Arbor. At 4 p.m., there is a 35 percent chance of participation with
0: participation. Thir- <laughs> I'd say there's a hundred percent chance of participation in the football game. There's a 35% chance of precipitation
1: <laughs> at the 4 p.m. kickoff in Ann Arbor. The temperature is 36 degrees. So if it's going to rain, we are going to get a rainy, sleety, you know, cold, miserable football game, which maybe would play into the low-scoring aspects. I'm not expecting the blizzard that we saw two years ago mm-hmm. in Michigan, but, I mean, the colder and wetter, the more miserable. You have to think that kind of at least favors Indiana because it's going to keep the throwing the ball to a minimum, but also then Michigan's running yeah, I don't running think game.
0: Michigan is too concerned about how much they throw the ball.
1: Michigan's running game is still superior to Indiana's, right? Yeah,
0: and Michigan's defense is still superior <clears throat> to Indiana's offense. So, yeah, I don't think it matters that much. Honestly, <laughs> I think I think the thing it would affect the most is probably the kicking game.
1: Right, and Logan Justice picked up the Big Ten Special Teams Player Award,
0: much to the chagrin of Ohio State fans who wanted a punter who did something. Well, the, I didn't watch Ohio State play Michigan State; that seemed boring. The punter
1: was at. I did a post game press conference for, um, for Ohio State, and I can't. I don't think we've ever talked to Hayden Whitehead post game wow. ever.
0: Yeah, we definitely haven't.
1: I think the punter for Ohio State drew Chris Christman. I think his name is I think that's right. Um, went to the media after the game on the podium and was like, I didn't even know this media room existed in the stadium. <laughs> like dead serious, which I can believe. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap this up <laughs> I think I think most people know how this is gonna go already. Score predictions, Sean, and why.
0: I'd just like to say that preseason I had Michigan winning this game twenty one to seven. Um I'm gonna say you've been pretty
1: good on your preseason picks so far, too.
0: As, as in terms of wins and losses, I'm a hundred percent so far. Wow, um, that's pretty good. So I'm gonna say Michigan. Michigan wins
1: thirty-eight ten. Thirty-eight ten. Yeah, uh, that's 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 an aesthetically pleasing score line. I it like is. that score line. I like the way it looks. One I will, field goal each. I will take. Michigan to win I'm really I really want to say 42 to 7 but I think the novelty for the third straight week (laughs) I think the novelty of them winning 42 to 7 three straight weeks is a bit too much for me to to honestly I think I
0: probably would have said something like 42 to 7 if I if they hadn't won 42 to 7 for two straight weeks
1: so you know what I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 42 to 10 wow um we'll give Indiana a field goal I don't think this is close, and honestly, if you're Tom Allen and I know the whole like being a coach, you need to get your players like you know the never say die attitude you're always in this game, um you know, keep battling for four quarters, all those cliches. If it's the third quarter and Indiana's down twenty one points to Michigan, and the game flow you know is tending in the direction of Indiana not having a chance of getting back seriously in terms of winning the game. You might as well kind of sit some guys down or at least take it easy, right. Knowing what's going to be on the line for the old oak and bucket game.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to see like Reese Taylor at quarterback. Oh, or absolutely something. not. Right. Um,
1: maybe not necessarily taking players out, but maybe like, hey, let's not throw the ball over the middle to Luke Timmyan on a third and eighteen when we're down fifteen points with four minutes left. Yeah, sure, you know? but
0: I think there also is going to be some of like. You know, hey, if they throw it over the middle, don't pick up a stupid targeting penalty. We play Ohio State next week. Right. So I, you might see a little bit of that on both sides, to be
1: honest. Both teams, teams have—I don't want to say this game doesn't matter, but both teams have really good reasons to look ahead to the week after yeah. this game.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think if you asked anyone on either side, they'd give you the same cliche of, oh, we respect every opponent, uh, we can't look past, you know— the, the the task at hand in front of us right now, and you know, but I don't think any of them are actually thinking that. You know. <laughs> Michigan- I use thinking about the bucket. Michigan's thinking about yeah. the game. Because
1: so. Michigan's trying to get to the playoff, and honestly, Indiana is not expected and probably won't pose a significant test to you know alter their current 9-1 record. Mm-hmm. And from Indiana's perspective, beating Michigan would require such a perfect confluence of events to occur that you may see them kind of with an eye towards that bucket game because, A, it's the bucket game, and, B, you know that that is going to be your better chance to get that sixth win. Yeah. Again, completely different if Indiana closes the deal against Minnesota already has six wins in this game, or conversely, if Indiana's at three wins or something, but that's not the reality that we live in.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, both teams have more important games on the horizon, but I don't know. I mean, if you're Indiana... Give it a good give it the old college try for the first half and see where we are. <laughs> I think I think that's kind of got to be the attitude.
1: Yeah, play, you know, play a half like it's the game and I guess you know, assess things at halftime and make the uh, the educated decision. So, that's going to do it for this episode of the IDS Football podcast. I'm not sure if we're going to join you over Thanksgiving break. Um, maybe we'll do a call-in show
0: podcast on Skype.
1: <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe we won't. We'll see how the uh, we'll see how the chips fall. If nothing else, though, we will all be back in town, I believe, for the bucket game. Oh, Saturday. you know I will be. Uh, we're all, like, as I mentioned earlier, we'll all be heading to Ann Arbor early this Friday. We'll pile into Murphy's Dodge Charge Avenger. Avenger,
0: I think it's I a think black it's Dodge. An Avenger, yeah.
1: If you see a black Dodge with Indiana plates driving. In the direction of Ann Arbor, honk at us. Yeah,
0: give us a honk.
1: You know, tell us hello. How are you? Um,
0: let us know the thoughts on the podcast, what we can do better, what oh, you please.
1: like. Yeah, be sure to like and subscribe on SoundCloud, of course. Um, visit us, idsnews.com, ids underscore sports, for updates and content. Like I mentioned, we'll be in Michigan starting about Friday night into the whole day Saturday, a 4 p.m. kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Gus Johnson will have the call. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on Twitter, at IDS underscore sports and how he does. And be sure to follow along for
0: updates as Indiana takes on number four Michigan. I'd like to, Gus, if you're listening, I'd like to I'd like to meet Gus Johnson. I was a little disappointed I never saw him in Columbus. Was he so. calling that game too? Yeah.
1: There's a chance that we could be in the same elevator as Gus Johnson.
0: We were in the same elevator as Clark Kellogg in, in Columbus. Which
1: is not Gus Johnson, but it's...
0: Still pretty good.
1: It's still pretty cool. I mean, honestly, if we want to run into anyone in Michigan, I'm, I'm rooting for MJ. Just because of the uniforms. I'm sure he's not going to be there, but why not? Yeah,
0: I think he might. Do the Patriots have
1: a bye week? Maybe Brady?
0: Whew, that, you're asking a lot there know, for Brady was... to show up to <laughs> Michigan, Indiana. <laughs> that was a bit was, off the They message. do have a bye week, though, because I had to bench really? Sony Michelle. Yeah.
1: Okay, so Tom Brady, come out to uh, Ann Arbor. We'll yeah, be there. sure.
0: Come say hi. I'll tell you how much Patrick Mahomes is better than you.
1: All right. right, let's. Before we get into further trouble, thanks for listening to this episode of the IDS Football Podcast. We will catch you guys next time, and be sure to follow along as the Hoosiers take on the Wolverines this weekend.